You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hi, this is Mark e. Laughlin. Welcome to another edition of Bible Prophecy Daily. Uh, I'm uh, your host today, and I'm talking about, I want to talk about how Peter saw the second coming of Christ. Now, it's interesting with Peter because he was probably one of the most, well, if you could say he's probably the, the one who wanted to know about this the most, you would probably be accurate. Uh, Jesus and Peter had many interactions. As you know, Peter uh, was an apostle. He was uh, the head of the apostles, the leader. Uh, He was uh, a bit overzealous at times and made assumptions that didn't come true. Um, So his learning curve on this is very interesting, and I think it's something that we can really learn a lot from. And I think there's a lot of... um, there are a lot of details in uh, uh, Peter's uh, teaching about the end times that really clue us in to uh, where to look for the most basic of information on it. Uh, now, as an actor, I perform different books of the Bible. I've been doing that for about 30 years. And it always fascinates me with Scripture because I've memorized so much of it that it's just an incredible story. I got saved at Hollywood, and uh, when I picked up the Bible, I thought, these are the best stories I've ever heard. Um, God is the ultimate storyteller. And what I found very quickly was that God has all of of the everything you learn about screenwriting or writing a novel, writing a book, writing anything that entertains people, any kind of story, even a song, is that there are parts that serve purposes and there are characters that are classic characters you see over and over again in any story. And and I think it's fascinating when you look at the Bible and you try to get a, a picture of the overall story of the Bible, uh, how coming at scripture with that lens knowing that god is revealing himself to man in 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 his own words um i think it's it just fascinates me and i've found a lot of benefit of really trying to get underneath these characters to find out how they saw things and what they were really trying to share how they were really trying to share that with us as they were guiding along guided along uh by the holy spirit to write the new testament and the old testament so just fascinating stuff so we're looking Looking at Peter, and we we are he's called the Apostle of Hope, and he really went from um, being a, a, a layman uh, who had just a, a, a rookie's knowledge, uh, a worldly knowledge of what quote unquote the Messiah was going to do when he came, to becoming uh, really a, a deep theologian. He had insight to really understand from all of the scriptures, the Old Testament that he had, to how uh, God had planned the whole future of mankind. And that's what I'm going to really share with you. This is a really heavy concept. It's macro uh, thinking as opposed to micro thinking. Most of the time we, we get into Bible prophecy and we really do want to micro think. We want to drill down to the little, the little, uh, 
the tiniest of details and we want to flesh those out but i'm going to really try to give you a bigger picture of this and i'm going to do it in uh, two parts i'm going to do part two uh hopefully later on this month you'll see that on here too but it, here's uh peter's camera angle uh peter obviously he he got drafted by his brother andrew and brought to to uh, jesus andrew a uh, disciple of jesus was with a friend some believe it was john the gospel uh, i mean john uh the disciple who wrote the gospel but others believe that it was um uh, lazarus uh I, either way uh andrew with was with one of those two when uh john the baptist told him that that is the messiah pointed out the messiah to him, pointed out the son of god and so these guys they follow jesus thinking oh my goodness really let's see if he's really all that and jesus turns around and asks them what they want and the rest is history so they're really the first two to follow but they're they were disciples of john the baptist so uh andrew as soon as he followed jesus spent that day with him ran and found his brother uh, simon peter and brought him to jesus and jesus makes the pro proclamation says you are Simon, you're going to be called Peter, and um, we know what happens after that. So Peter starts out that way. He probably had some idea of the Messiah from <clears throat> from John the Baptist because Andrew, his brother, was obviously following John. Um, he might even have been a follower of John, just not been there. Maybe he was working that day. Who knows? But he started with the idea that was very common in the day that uh, the Messiah would come. When the Messiah came, he would come to rule and reign the world and Israel would be back on top. It would be the days of Solomon, as it were, the good old days. And so they were really excited. Uh, all of Israel was excited at that time because the temple had been rebuilt. Uh, they had the temple there, they were in the land, and they were waiting for their Messiah to come. And they, they knew the predictions of the prophets. They knew Jeremiah and Isaiah, and they knew that God had predetermined a particular time period uh, just from the book of Daniel that was very, very uh, easy to discern for most Jews of that day that um, the Messiah was coming soon. Uh, obviously, we know three wise men uh, nailed the timing pretty good. Uh, and so it was widespread knowledge. Uh, they knew how to read the sky, the stars in the sky, the Maseroth that we call it, where God has written his complete story. So they knew where they were in that story. They had a better picture of the big picture and they had some information which i'm going to share with you today and uh, over the course of the next two or three of these uh podcasts that i'm doing uh about uh that peter had that enabled them to really get a grip on god's big picture his whole story his interaction with human humanity uh, throughout all time so that's what we're going to focus on well so you've got this mindset that Jesus is going to rule and reign. And pretty much the whole time that Jesus is with his disciples, he's breaking that down and re rebutting that and reminding them that God has a big plan, that he wants to bless all nations on earth through Abraham's seed, that the Son of Man has got to die to do that. He keeps reminding them of the fact that there's more on the calendar, and they're all ready to go. Of course, you, you've got Simon the Zealot, one of the disciples. Uh, a zealot, they were zealots uh, for the government. They were pro-Israelis who wanted to overthrow the Roman gover uh, government at the time. So there was this oppression uh, uh, by Rome o over the Israelis and the Jews. It, that was the that was the tone of the day so the whole idea of the messiah coming was really a very very political 
idea and Jesus had to remind them that it was spiritual and the kingdom of God's inside you and this is what God's here's how different God's kingdom is than man's kingdom and so that was really Peter was coming out of that now think about it he wasn't educated uh the high priest uh, when he appears before them in the book of Acts uh, to say these are uneducated men, but we we were, we can recognize that they have been with Jesus, but they're very bold. Uh, so he wasn't considered a theologian, <clears throat> even uh, even after Jesus rose from the dead. So uh, he wasn't impressing the, the the theologians. They were they were surprised that he knew what he knew that he was so bold about it and was teaching it so forcefully because they they didn't know who his tutor was. They were like, I know he'd been with this Jesus guy, but this doesn't, this doesn't, he knows some deep stuff here. So really it's a fascinating arc of a character. And you got to realize us as believers, we should expect to be, uh, to be transformed into Jesus's likeness. We know that's what God is doing with each one of us. So we should expect to be growing and our knowledge uh, of Jesus and our Lord uh, uh, and God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we should be expecting to grow in that knowledge and come to a deeper understanding, a clearer, better understanding based on even more scripture uh, of the truths of God. So if you're not hungry and expecting God to show you more of himself, hey, uh, you're, you're really missing what God is offering each one of us. And Peter took full advantage of that. And as he... Uh, as he started, you think about it, they were ready to rule and reign. Of course, James and John, is, their mother brings them before Jesus says, Hey, have one, when you come into your kingdom, have one of my sons sit on each side of you. You know, they were all jockeying for their place. And of course, the, all the rest of the disciples were a little, little ticked off when they heard that. So this is their mindset. So when Jesus tells them, Hey, uh, I've got to go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be rejected and be killed and all this stuff. They get really sad. But Peter says, you know, you know, hey, you can't do that. Far be it from you to, to suffer that stuff. And then what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, Peter had this idea that he was going to rule and reign with Jesus right then. And Jesus is kind of raining on that parade by saying, hey, that the, here's what I've got to go do. Uh, it's not going to turn out the way you're thinking. <clears throat> so um, very easy for us to, um, to not want to hear the Lord uh, tell us something is going to take longer <laughs> or not turn out the way we think. Uh, uh, that's very, those are hard things to hear. So, you know, be encouraged. Peter couldn't hear them also. Uh, and God was... God is patient with him, as we see. Now, remember, they got really sad then. The Garden of Gethsemane, they're in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they they they're so sorrowful because they're bummed out uh, because of what Jesus told them. They're gonna that he's gonna get arrested and killed, uh, as opposed to them ruling and reigning. Uh, so they they fall asleep. They can't even stay awake. Um, so that's what we see. Uh, Peter's hopes dashed uh, regarding the last days, as it were. And then, of course, he exactly what Jesus says happens. He goes, uh, he goes and he's uh, crucified, he's resurrected. And then uh, Peter uh, 
his mindset starts to change. He goes to the tomb, sees Jesus isn't there, realizes, oh my goodness, I've got uh, exactly what he said has happened. And um, Jesus appears to the disciples and shows him his hands and his sides. And so the disciples are now, they're overjoyed. And of course he stays with them and talks with them and teaches them for 40 days after his resurrection. And then they come to him and say, okay, Uh, in the book of Acts, it starts out, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is what they've been waiting for. This is this is even going up to Jerusalem after he told them he was going to have to die and suffer at the hands of the Pharisees and be killed. Um, they're still asking him, hey, what, what, you know, you just told us this temple we're looking at is going to be destroyed. Uh, and when what what the heck are you talking about when is this all going to be so they're still they're still not on his same page uh chronologically they're missing a few steps uh in the god's big picture and so now they get to acts and they're still missing a few pages and they say well you know why are are you going to do it at this time and jesus tells them the times and seasons that are fixed by the father are not for you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he tells them, he corrects them, he says, look, what you want to happen now is not going to happen now. It's not for you. The, the, these things you're talking about are going to be for later on, for some other people later on. You are going to do this right now. Uh, so very fascinating. Wait a minute. They're, they're like, wait a minute. We're not just going right into your kingdom is what they're thinking. They're thinking, hey, the millennial reign, everything. So that happens. Jesus ascends into heaven. He pours out the Holy Spirit. It's the day of Pentecost. And they get filled with the Spirit. And now Peter has this insight that he de- he didn't have before and it's really the 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 foundation you'll find of what peter teaches about the end times now listen to what he says when he is filled with the holy spirit he quotes joel as his explanation of what is happening he says and in the last days it shall be god declares now remember he's using this phrase in the last days we're going to define that in a moment In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. He's describing the birth and activity of the church. That's what's just happened to him. Jesus went to heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit, like he promised, on all flesh. That means Jews and uh, and, uh, Gentiles. So then he goes on to say in verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show signs. So show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, this is an amazing passage. Peter gives us the whole description of the church age. He fills in the the blank between his generation, 
the beginning of the church, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and then he bookends it with the day of the Lord. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. Now, that is a huge theme in the Old Testament. Everyone listening would have known, oh, he's quoting Joel. This is about the day of the Lord. Everyone has been waiting for this day when God starts to make everything right that's wrong in the world. And he's saying, here's what's going to happen in between that. This has to happen in order for that to happen. This happens first and then that. Now, now remember, he said, very interesting, he said the last days, most people just they just brush over that. But I'm going to show you how that that goes right into what he believed about the end times and the timing of God and the big picture. Now, uh, he also, um, uh, we have two letters from Peter in the, in the New Testament, first and second Peter, of course. And Peter also goes into this whole idea of what's going to happen in the last days in his letter. Now, Listen to what he says about the last days and scoffers. He says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I love that, the reminder. What are they supposed to remember? They're supposed to remember the scriptures. What portions of the scriptures are they supposed to remember? Well, we'll read on. We'll find out. It says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. He's saying, look at the scriptures, remember them. Knowing this, if you're remembering the Old Testament and what had been written through the apostles here, you should know this, that first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact. Now remember, he calls this a fact. They deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So they they forget the fact that the flood came, that God made the whole heavens and the earth. So he's pointing his believers that he's writing to, Peter is pointing them to the book of Genesis. Don't forget the Genesis account when God made the heavens and the earth. Very important. We'll get to that a little later. And specifically, obviously, to the flood, to Noah's day. And let's go on to uh, verse 10 of chapter 3 in in 2 Peter. I love this. He says, no, he says in verse 8, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, i got to stop you right there because most of us have been guilty of not considering what he said as a fact. As a matter of fact, I've read so many people, so many commentaries, so many theologians overlook this one fact. Peter considered this a fact, not a myth, 
not symbolic, um, a literal fact. And he said, this is one fact you can't overlook. And the reason it is a fact you can't overlook is because if you overlook it, you'll have no idea where we are on God's calendar of events. You'll have no real grip on time. He says that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, he is quoting a psalm written by David, and David is quoting Moses. Um, so we're, we keep, it just keeps going back and back. This was an understanding that was common. This is an understanding of the three wise men who found the baby Jesus or the toddler Jesus at that time. They understood. Everyone knew this as a reality, that God was dealing with man through seven days, the seven days of creation. That was his picture of his involvement with man. When you look at the Genesis account, people ask, well, why are there two creation accounts in Genesis? Well, the first one is more details, tells you exactly what he, he, he created on what day, but it also historically tells us what's going to happen in each of those eras of time. And it's amazing when you look back at that account and you can see the fulfillment in detail, specific, perfect timing, all of the things God made happen that were specific to that particular era of history. And we have the documentation because history is documented. We know that God did exactly what he said he was going to do right there in the book of Genesis all throughout the history of mankind. Um, I believe Isaiah says, um, the Lord does nothing without telling his servants, the prophets beforehand. So he does not, he doesn't, he's never, he's never done anything without announcing it first through his servants, the prophets. That's pretty amazing. And I believe that the end of Revelation, the, the angel tells the, the apostle John that, hey, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So every scripture we have is revealing Jesus and his work that he's doing. And this is amazing. It, this is really a, a concept that's similar to getting your mind around the seven feasts of the Lord and realizing their chronology and how God's been working with mankind uh, through, through these seven feasts and their pictures of what God's going to do historically uh, uh, and in the future. It's just a really an amazing big picture thing. But I want you to get a, a grip on this because you we, we're going to be able to go so deep on this concept. It is so layered throughout scripture. There are so many examples of uh, of of it all through scripture being exactly true that is profound it's one of the biggest truths i've been able to biggest nuggets i've been able to dig out of scripture in the last several years so that's what we're we're talking about that one fact that's what we're going to dig into when when i come back and do the part two of the last days according to peep to, according to Peter, what are days? Uh, is it is it two days? What is he referring to when he says the last days specifically? What period of time is he referring to? And remember, he goes on in verse nine of chapter three in Second Peter to say the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. He's talking about those mockers, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And then he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. He's talking about the great and magnificent day of the Lord. So great stuff. Now, we're going to look closer into this, and I'm going to show you this pattern all throughout Scripture of the this reference to a, a time period that's very specific. And I'm going to show you what God has done in each day of creation, what he has done in history. We're going to start to dig into that so we'll get a grip on um, his big overall picture plan. Uh, now, like I say, I love getting into the nitty-gritty of prophecy and, ask, and having people ask difficult questions and have to go in and dig it out. I love that. But what I find more rare is a better understanding of the big picture. And so we're, I'm going to be focused on that over the next few months to try to hammer away at you, uh, give you a, a framework so that you know God is totally in control over all time. We're not just floating in millions and millions of years. God has a plan that he's executing to the T. I believe Solomon says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. What a wise thing in Ecclesiastes he says. We're gonna, I'm going to talk about what Solomon thought about the end times. That's another fascinating study. But uh, stay tuned uh, and, and search this uh, Bible Prophecy Daily podcast for the part two of Peter, the, the last days according to Peter. Uh, love you guys. Uh, I want you to stay encouraged. I want you to stay focused. I want you to stay alert. And I want you to keep listening to this podcast because some, there are some great teachers um, and God is revealing some amazing things to his servants, to those who fear him and to those who tremble at his word in these last days. And I know that that is you. So God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Maranatha. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 